Hello and welcome back to the Health Science Podcast. Music brought to you by Daniel Hughes. Mm-hmm. My name is Devin Box and I'm your host. My co-host is Zachary Hunter. Zach, are you ready to have your mind blown today? I'm always ready to have my mind blown. As you can see, Zach gets excited about intelligent conversations. <laughs> that was the most unexcited answer. Wow. <laughs> I'm really excited to get my mind blown. <laughs> I finally went on that. <laughs> so much so that he owns his own podcast. You may have heard it. You may have guessed it. The Fiscal Frisk. Fiscal Frisk. Go join Zach Thursday mornings on all the same streaming platforms you found us. Yes, sir. Now, I told you that you'd have your mind blown with this podcast, Zach. And I know this because usually I have like a pretty good understanding or I've kind of, you know, heard of a study before. I stumbled upon this and I was like, what the heck? Like it legitimately, genuinely surprised me. Okay. Um, Today I was, I was impressed with this paper. So we're going to, we're going to look a little bit less at the methods um, there's some de- design element stuff that I want to highlight, but I, I want to spend more time talking about the results and do our best to kind of explain what the heck is going on. Um, okay. So today's paper is called, it's a pretty long one. All right. Evaluation of green light exposure on headache frequency and quality of life in migraine patients, a preliminary one-way crossover clinical trial. I knew all of those words. You did. They're, so they're not horrible words. Um, it's a needlessly long title. Yeah. Sometimes researchers do that. They put in like the type of studies. So in this case, they make sure that they call it a preliminary one-way crossover clinical trial. Right. Um, and they say clinical trial. Others try to put fun stuff in the titles. Um, clinical is kind of like a badge of honor because I think people are like, oh, oh yeah. it's a clinical trial. It's a little bit better. And sometimes yeah. they are. I, I, you can't generalize that, but they like to put... Um, the prestige the type of study sometimes um so basically though we're looking at the effects of green light exposure on headaches what green light exposure on headaches like are we talking about like the actual like light just yeah like just green light that's it i was like okay now the fact that this paper exists suggests that green light might be able to prevent headaches or else they wouldn't be studying it right right um now one thing i found first off is that the the they talk about headaches and migraines, not to be confused. A, mi- a migraine is a multiphasic neurological disorder with tons of different symptoms. Um, one of those symptoms includes severe headaches. Wait, so a migraine is a disorder? Yeah, like it's a, it's a, I guess they call it a disorder, but it's like, because most people, I'm going to say most people, actually, I, I don't know. They have some prevalence numbers in here, but um, yeah, people who get migraines um, usually have them in either like episodic or they can have chronic migraines. Like it's a, Got it. it's a full on, oh. I think they call it a disorder because it's not just one symptom. Like a headache is like it's a symptom. Yeah. It's one okay. part of kind of this greater piece. Oh, that's so, cool. Didn't know that. And I know, and I want to clarify this because I know that like people often interchange migraine and headache. Like yeah, they that's what I heard. <laughs> they just refer to as a bad headache, but I got a migraine. Mm-hmm. It's like not, not the case. So there's often photophobia, which is like severe light sensitivity. We've got nausea, uh, other symptoms. Um, and I used to get migraines really bad. I have, I have my face go numb, like slurring of speech, you name it. Like it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's not just, you get a pounding headache. Pounding headache is big part of it. Yeah. Um, but just so that we know, uh, we established that it's, it's a very complex, um, phenomenon and it can manifest in different ways. Headache is one of those. So we'll refer to headaches because we're, we're actually tracking the headaches, but they yeah. do call these people migraine patients. Got it. But because we're dealing with the pain side of things. And the symptom, right? Yeah, Which the is, symptom of headache. Yeah. And then the green light 
supposed to reduce the pain associated with the headache. So we focus on that, but Got it. Um, just so we kind of clarify that. So random fact, Zach, I'll, I'll let you try to guess this one. It's it, You have no basis to actually get this right. So I'm good at guessing. Amazing. How prevalent do you think migraines are globally if you give it a percentage? Oh, so much. Have you ever, like, literally so many people have it. More well, like, than I mean, like, 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 like actual percentage wise, like per person or like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like prevalence is in like how many, like percentage of a hundred again, like how many people? Oh, would like have 83. It? 83. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Do you think 83% of people are just like getting messed up by migraines? Oh, this is migraine. I thought you meant headaches. Not headaches. No, migraines, like 47. No, it's 14.7%. Oh, wow. I way overestimated <laughs> that. Well, cause again, the people always call headaches migraines if, people, if everyone who said that they had a headache had a migraine 47 percent. okay so I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one for for overestimating okay, 14 that's, percent. that's on it. people's fault for calling <laughs> headaches migraines. they all need to listen to the health science podcast um and they're 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 much more common in in women um lifetime prevalence in women is actually 33 percent versus 13 percent in men wow um, which i didn't know i I, I don't know if there's like what was the neurological basis for that. They didn't offer an explanation. They just say yeah. that this is the case. Um, now they define the term even more. We're going to break these migraine people into two groups. So they have chronic and episodic. Right. Uh, chronic being 15 or more. They call headache days per month for three or more months. You'd be chronic migraine. Imagine having 15 migraines. Oh, that would suck. And episodic being fewer than 15 per month. Yeah. Now, why are we looking at other treatments for migraines? Can't you just take medication, Tylenol, whatever it is? Like you can, but for many people, they either don't work or they have intolerable side effects. Yeah. Now, there's not going to be crazy side effects if you just take painkillers, but there are specific, you know, migraine medications. Right. Um, and those can have side effects as well, especially for people that are taking them all the time because they're chronic. Yeah. Now, the authors state that a previous study that they did in rats showed that green light therapy um, had what is known as anti-nociceptive qualities, which is literally a fancy word that means it helps block pain. No, no, okay. no susception yeah. is just the sensation of pain. Those are just the, the technical term for the little pain receptors that you have in your body. Um, so yeah, fancy word for that. They found that green light in rats could actually uh, decrease pain. Mm. Now, people were recruited through the University of Arizona Medical Center Chronic Pain Clinic between August 2016 and uh, October 2019. So a very recent study. Yeah, this is very recent. Um, average age was 52.2 years, uh, plus or minus three years. So a pretty tight age group as well. They yeah. had people aging from, I think they said 27 all the way up to like 78. So they had a wide range, but um, a pretty tight distribution nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, and all but two patients who were enrolled in the study were females. So again, it's more prevalent in women this could be kind of seen as a limitation, but yeah. it's also just representative of the population. If women get it more and then you you're want to study something, you're gonna probably going to get more women. Yep. Um, but all but two seems a little more lopsided than like in the prevalence. We talked 33 versus 13%. Do we um, know how many people overall? Sorry. Did you say that or no? No, I didn't yet. Uh, okay. I forget the exact number, but they did say it was, they, they referred to it as fairly small. Right. Um, yeah, well, like, you know, obviously if they had five people and only all but two were met, I just like the just difference of numbers. But yeah, yeah I could, if, it's, I if, it's it if it's largely more, then it's fine. Um, now they were given LED. They were literally just given an LED light strip that was two meters long. Um, and this LED produced white light. Mm -hmm. They were told to use this light strip as the only light or the only source of light in a dark room 
and just do activities in that room for at least an hour a day, up to two hours a day. Now, the only thing they were told is just don't fall asleep. Like don't close your eyes. So keep the LED in your vision. You can read, exercise, whatever you want to do. And they did this for 10 weeks total. Then they had what's known as a washout period, which means if there were any effects from the white light that would like last for longer, um, they had a period where this might have worn off. So they go from baseline, they're given the white light, and then Mm -hmm. they wash out. So they're essentially back at baseline. And then they do the same thing with the green light. Now, again, they were expecting the white light not to do anything. That's a placebo. So they just give you a light that you have no reason to believe would cause any t- any changes in pain. Right. Um, and then you you have the same person do white and green light. And then they kind of use it as their own controls. Yeah. So what did they actually measure? So they, they logged the amount of LED usage. So they told them, you know, one hour to two hours. But some people just you know, they wouldn't have time a day. So they have a diary with that. They keep right. track of it. They did daily medications for migraines to a lot of these people because they recruited them from a chronic pain clinic. Yeah. They're, they're going to have medications and other things going on. And they sure. wanted to make sure that the representation is, is not, you know, the people didn't start new medications by the end of the follow-up period. Right. Um, so they, they measured all that kind of stuff. And then they did the migraine diary. So how many times? Um, pain follow-up questionnaire, which is basically just pain from zero to 10. Zero being no pain at all. 10 being the worst pain you can experience. Right. And they ranked their percentage or sorry, they, they ranked their perceived change in headaches too. So they actually just kind of did like a qualitative, like um, you you tallied, you know, X amount of migraines. But then they asked you like, how many migraines did you, or, or how did you feel the the decrease was? They asked them to kind of estimate it, right. which is, which is kind of, seems weird. Cause it's like, well, you're measuring exactly how many migraines they had. Right. Why would you then ask them at the end of each month to be like, how many did you think you went down? Um, but it has to do with their perception of it, which is important for if you were to ever use this as a potential therapy, how people feel about it is is important too. So even though something oh, works, yeah. if people just, yeah, they don't really like it, they're not going to use it regardless of how well it works in some cases. So yep. they asked that um, and then they had one other questionnaire that got their ability to perform work and daily activities, which is kind of reflective of how much pain and headaches you're actually having. So the functional change that they had um, if they saw any decreases in their pain or the frequency of headaches. Right. So statistical analyses, they determined whether the differences were significant using what's called a Wilcoxon match pairs signed rank test. Really fancy word. Um, and they, Wilcoxon, again, they name a lot of these tests off of the statisticians that actually kind of made them up. Yep. So it's basically a statistical test that doesn't assume a normal distribution. Um, these tests are good for when we have like frequencies, like num- whole numbers. We're not taking an actual measurement. Right. It's just how many. It's, it's count data. You count something. Yep. So in this case, how many headaches did they experience? Um, and that was the that was the main follow-up. They want to know how many headaches did they actually experience. All the other ones they referred to as their secondary measures. Yep. So what did the results show? Can green light actually decrease headache frequency? What do you think? Like if you had to, if you had a bet, stick at a green light with somebody... And I told you you're going to have your mind blown. So you're probably thinking this. But before I told you it had your mind blown, would you think that just like having green LEDs in your room for an hour a day would do anything to chronic migraine people? Not for chronic migraine people. Like these people are having like, I'll get to yeah. the stats, 22 and a half average migraines per month before any therapies. That's crazy. 22 That's a so month. many. That's almost one a day, man. So That's crazy. <laughs> so what did the results show? So no changes um, in the white light group from baseline which is um, good in both chronic and episodic patients. Uh, 
and green light, green LED found a significant decrease in both chronic and episodic. So they went from 7.9 to 2.4 in the uh, episodic migraine patients to the number of medics. Oh my God. They went from 22.3 to 9.4 in chronic. Holy Which crap. is a combined reduction that, of roughly 60%. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they literally more than slash these in half just by being in a room with green LED lights and just doing stuff for an, at least an hour a day. So on the episode of the fiscal frisk, we talk about how the stock market recovered 44% in 150 days, which is wild. Which is crazy. Listen to the fiscal frisk. But this is bonkers. <laughs> I know. 60% just by tossing a green light. Bro, Phillips is just like, hey, we're going to make a killing off this. Yeah. You know, I like those colored LED lights. <laughs> the smart LED strips. So, they, uh, so the other measures, so green LED reduced the headache pain ratings too. So when you had a, a headache, even though they're less, less. frequent... Uh, from a 7.3 average to a 3.4 average in episodic migraine patients and wow. from a 8.2 to a 3.1. Oh so on God. average, people were rating their migraines at a frequency of 22.3% in the chronic at a pain rating of 8.2 out of 10. You drop the frequency by 60% and then, then drop the experience of pain from 8.2 to a 3.1. That is crazy. From an LED light. Yeah, seriously. Just like <laughs> from a, a, like the most common light that we like just looking at a light. And keeping in this trend, you guessed it, green LEDs helped people function better in daily activities. Not going to go into uh, how they rank these uh, scores, right. um, but it, it helped people. Yeah, obviously. Which is, which is reflective of not having headaches. And then when you do have them, they're less severe. Mm -hmm. um, which I usually have something to say about results, but this one I'm actually just kind of genuinely baffled. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's just such a dramatic increase. Like, that's insane. Like, like these are chronic migraine, like people with like this disorder. Like mm -hmm. I know, like even like think about you, like I think about my sister who has it too. Like this puts you out for like a day. Like it puts oh, yeah. you out of commission. It's bad enough that I have like a hangover the next day. Yeah. Like it I'm, feels I'm, like a hangover, but it's like a migraine. And it's but the thing is, is think about having that twenty two point three on average twenty two point three yeah. times a month, and then decreasing that to under ten, yeah. and then from a seven point five scale, which is seven point five out of anything, that's pretty high or whatever. It no, might it's be. Uh, seven point three. Seven point three was for the yeah. for the episodic for the chronic went from eight point two. Eight point two, like three point for for pain. That's a lot. That's yeah. like a high pain. And then to th under what? Four? It was like three point something. 3.1. 3.1. That's in like good. Good <laughs> Honestly, for green light. Shadow green light. Seriously. Like, and like, it is the thing is like, I, I, I'm kind of skeptical in the sense that like most research papers you read, you're kind of like, you know, you can figure out. I, I didn't really see any glaring issues with their, their, uh, their methods that really said like, ah, this could just be compromised. Like it, it doesn't. Uh -huh. There's potential, and we'll talk about those. Yeah, but like, it's just the effect size is huge. I wonder if huge. there's just a lot less migraines in December. Well, no, because of Christmas lights, right? Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. They they collected it from 2016 all the way to 2019. I they know. did these year round. Um, so let's let's kind of look at some of the other stuff that they talked about again. Limitations. We want to go over these to kind of get a, a more thorough understanding. Yeah. Um, now that we're like. <laughs> We've got through our excitement. Um, now, white light did produce some, and I do quote, significant changes. Mm -hmm. This is um, for those that aren't as savvy with stats. Like in stats, we have statistical tests, which is essentially the probability 
that something is explainable by chance. Yeah. If it's if it's statistically significant, there's an incredibly small chance that we could just uh, we happen to see it by random. Right. Which means there's a, a better chance that what we're seeing is as a result of our our effect, like our in this case the green light versus white light. Yep. Um, but again, they did the white light as a placebo because they think, okay, well maybe people just you know. Maybe they just don't have good lighting. I don't know. Maybe the white LED light would do stuff as well. Right. Um, but the researchers didn't tell the participant which light type was actually the therapy. Now, you could kind of speculate that, like, maybe people would assume that the white light was not going to do anything. Yeah. Because it's, it's it's more normal. Yeah. Whereas if you, if you put you in a room with green light, it's something you're not going to experience. So they, they might have kind of an understanding that the green light was potentially the therapy, but they were never explicitly told that. So right. um, that kind of is, it might be a bit of a limitation, might not. Um, mm-hmm. Now, all patients also did the white light first, so there may be an effect of them getting used to a type of light, right? So maybe they, they just, they found themselves in a groove. They, I like the light, and the green light, oh, I Three just like this one. Though. Um, No, so they only did the actual, so they collected data from that range, but it was only for a 10-week Oh, right. 10 week, 10 week, um, and then two week and then 10 weeks. So it's, it's not quite that long for each person, but anyway, it's enough to get good data. Yeah. But still, so additionally, when they used the light, they were instructed to put themselves in a calm, quiet environment. They want the only source to be the led light, um, which has also been shown to help migraines, right? Like if you're, I don't know, surrounded by a lot of noise and busyness going on all the time, um, that's going to make your migraines worse. So being in that environment, might help that but it's also hard to believe that staying in a quiet room for for one hour to two hours a day is going to result in 60 percent decrease in migraine frequencies so it's like that's also kind of you know and the same would be true for both lights so in this case if you're, you're you're using the white light in a calm environment and you're also using the green light in a calm environment so Understanding the difference between white light versus green light, there's a huge difference there. Oh, yeah. And it's present in both conditions. Right. So, again, um, doesn't seem like too much of a, a, a glaring bias there. Right. Now, vision studies in rats show that the reduction in pain from green lights is actually only possible through your vision. So, it's not like you're not absorbing it through your skin. It's not like, you know, I'm out <laughs> in the sun and I feel great today. It's like, yeah. no, it's 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 the visual um increase in green light that that is important so right. in that they they had um the rats they had if they covered their eyes essentially they got no benefits so it's not something that's just ambient yeah you can't just be in green environment when you sleep it, you got to be actually doing stuff right uh, during that time to absorb the light through your eyes um you know another potential limitation in the conclusions here is kind of the causal pathway because they don't again this is recent right you yep. don't actually know how this phenomenon works yeah. Right. Like how, you know, what's the brain circuitry? Like what's going on? Um, so it's hard to establish exactly what causes these effects. Um, mm-hmm. but we can kind of speculate. And, and one thing, um, that they brought up and I want to talk about is, is in this case, Zach, what type of light are you supposed to avoid when you're like close to bed? Blue. Exactly. Now you've seen it too on, um, on apps. They have a, like a bedtime mode. So yeah, like I was just about to talk about that. It gets a more orangey yellow tint. Yeah. So to stay away you, from the dark you, you interpret it more as blue, but it's, it's, they're taking away blue. So it looks a little bit more of a warmer color. Yep. And a lot of, again, iPhones do that. Um, I'm sure lots like 
almost every, I would say, modern phone does that. Uh, you could do it on your, your laptops. So that's kind of a new thing now because you understand um, that blue light has been shown to limit a chemical in your brain called melatonin, mm-hmm. which is normally released by your brain into your, your circulation when you're heading to bed, right? It's, they, they call it, it's like your, your sleep clock, mm-hmm. right? If you go to bed every day at, let's say, 9 o'clock, you know, every, every day just prior to 9 o'clock, your body knows it's time for bed. It's going to release melatonin. That helps you relax, right. helps you fall asleep. Blue light, and this is why the phones, um, you know, companies have done this too, because you've done a lot of studies saying like our sleep is going downhill and this might be directly, you know, causing that or be a part of that issue. For sure. So, and the, and the thing they speculate on here is that pain experiences and sleep are tightly linked. So there's the potential that being in an environment with green LED could actually lead to the opposite effect. So potentially improving your sleep, thus improving pain. Again, it's a theory. It's kind, it kind of seems also kind of crazy. Considering Shut up, green got, light. But it, even that too, as we say, like, are, I don't know. I'd have to see the numbers because I'm thinking to myself, if green light improved your sleep, let's say it improved your sleep by like, you know, 15%, like a good amount. Yeah. Um, 15, a 15% increase in sleep quality converts to a 60% decrease in, in migraine frequency yeah. and less than half of the pain. Like you'd have to be sleeping like a champ yeah. to get those numbers. So what they kind of allude to and, and, and what I kind of picked up reading this is it, it's probably a lot of different factors, right? Oh, There's probably sure. so many be. things going on that could explain that. Cause that's, yep. it's just a, that's a big effect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still baffled. Um, so the only other thing to note is that, um, two of the authors have a patent pending for the use of green light therapy for chronic pain, which in this case doesn't seem to weigh a lot on the results. Um, but we talk about conflicts of interest and when you yeah. write a research paper, when we submit in our case in Canada at Western, when we have a research proposal, we have to put in any real potential or perceived conflicts of interest. Yep. Is there anyone you're related to that might benefit from this, from a, a certain outcome? Yeah. Are you really, are you, would you benefit from it? Um, and is there any potential for that to be even perceived, even though it isn't real? Um, so we, we declare all that kind of stuff too. And, and for the most case, yeah, you're doing research because you're doing research. You're exactly. passionate about a field. Yep. If you're in a business field or sometimes in pharmaceuticals, we talk about the, we said this in the vaccines, um, there is a potential that the researchers could introduce bias. Yeah. Now, some of the things that this would really affect is, so if, if you wanted, let's say you had a therapy and, it, and your therapy involved a talking session mm-hmm. and to gather data, you gather qualitative data. You're looking at, you know, how do these people feel? Oh, they're acting a little bit different today. If you wanted your product or your method to work, you would be biased in what you're writing down because you'd have somebody that's doing the alternate therapy and you'd be like, this works like crap. Look at these people. They're miserable. But on my therapy, oh, they're doing, you'd be more biased to notice good things and to block out bad things. And that's, um, you know, a a certain bias that is, is prevalent in studies like this where you have qualitative data where you're, you're understanding somebody's quality of life. But in this case, because the people filled out their, their own assessments. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm trying to think of ways that, like, you could, like, 
have bias in here and I can't really think of any. Yeah. Which it seems like if you, if I said to you like this study, the guys have patents or, or girls too. I don't know who it is. If, if these researchers have patents on, you know, this potential therapy, you'd be like, ah, I don't know. Like it's crazy, but again, still a big effect size. And I don't see how the methods really could allow for it. There, there might be a selection bias, but I, I also haven't rationalized how that could actually play out in those effects that much. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to tell. And I think for, for the listeners, you know, critically, critically analyzing these types of issues is really important. Um, especially when it's a very new study, this is not something that we just know a lot about, right? This is something that could be biased. Uh, but to my eye, doesn't seem like it would have a huge effect. Um, but if you're more, you know, more, uh, experienced than I am, take a look at the paper and see what you think. We'd love to hear the feedback from that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's overall, I really enjoyed reading this paper. It's kind of neat. I, I honestly, I don't know if I'll go out and buy a green light, but the thing is, is there's no side effects. Like what are you going to do? Spend a bit of money on a, a green LED strip? Yeah, that's like, what you're not, I'm you're thinking. Not like, there's so many different like strips that people have anyways. I mean, just, hey Siri, switch it to green, right? Like J- Yeah, like just have green and green light, you know, acting ambiently. Like you're just... <laughs> My Siri actually went off. (laughs) But yeah, just to have green light going on. Like, I mean, people might come into your house and be like, dude, like, what's your weird obsession with green light? But like, I'd be like, dude, if I feel great. (laughs) Well, and like we said earlier, right? Migraines are so common and there's really no way out of it, right? Like you take Tylenol or like Advil or like there's actually like medication for it. But even then, like I've seen my sister... And like we said, like if you if you have twenty two and a half a month, and there's a way to decrease that by sixty percent by just spending like what how expensive, yeah, an hour for a cheap LED cheap LED light, like (laughs) yes, Uh, as the business guy, the cost benefit (laughs) analysis, I approve. And you know what was funny is at the end they they asked people to return the green LED lights, but then they, they they came in and they offered them. They said you can keep the light. They said all but one person kept the lights. Like they were all, they all, everybody who was involved in the study was like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. No, absolutely. Like they all voluntarily decided. Oh. Um, and they gave kind of an explanation for the the one person who didn't. Um, but it seemed actually there, they actually had significant decreases in all the numbers. But remember that qualitative thing is, well, how, what did you think it did? Yeah. They rated pretty low on that. They only thought it had like less than 20% or something they perceived as being less. So they're, their perception of the therapy was that it didn't work, even though it technically did. Right. Um, so again, people do things voluntarily. Yeah. So you, their understanding is they didn't want to do it, regardless yeah. of what the numbers said. So, um, but I guess they wouldn't have all the all the numbers and analysis back at the time when they they, they handed in their their green LED strips. So yeah. I could see that. But I mean that yeah, that's it for this paper. It's kind of a crazy one, um, but because the paper is so recent. There needs to be a lot of follow-up research um, to find out how exactly this works because that's really fascinating. It could have like pretty big implications on chronic pain. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the researchers that are looking into this would obviously use it for chronic pain, but I mean, I'm thinking for like anything, like sport performance, maybe less pain allows you to train harder, or, you know, perform better. Um, Absolutely. Rehabilitation from injuries. Um, I know a lot of, Injury rehab, if you look at this from rehab psychology, you know, there is, again, in this, in rehab, there's a difference between somebody's development and what they think they're developing. Oh, yeah. Right? So maybe 
having green light, knowing that they're feeling less pain, they have more confidence. They're going to have better rehab. Um, again, the sleep theory, could you be exposed to green light yep. um, and follow up on people's sleep? Um, I don't know. Like, can you think of any other ones off the top, but just anything involving pain really. Yeah. Um, so it could be applied to a lot of stuff. So I'm really, really interested to see, you know, in the, in the future. And I, I usually papers maybe be followed up within the next two years. Um, what they come up with this. Cause that could be like a legitimate game changer. Yeah, seriously. And yeah. Tons of different applications. So super excited to see what it brings. And I hope you are too listeners, but I bet I know another thing that you're excited for. What's that? Listening to the fiscal frisk. Fiscal frisk. Thursday mornings, get frisky with your finances. Go find Zach on the same streaming platforms. You found us music as always by Daniel Hughes. Good friend contact for me and the reference. If you want to read this crazy paper, yeah. it's all in the description, um, but we want to hear from you. So reach out um, and you may just get a shout out on our next podcast. We've got a good Ooh. suggestion. So as always, for Zach and I, stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you next time on the Health Science Podcast.